Well, this is a little bit of a different episode because this episode will be running on two different podcasts. I'm here with my friend and co-host of Grace to Stand, Darren Stone. I, of course, am George Sayor, and uh, I also have another podcast called The Presbyterian and Reformed Churchman, and this is a podcast that is aimed and geared toward ruling elders, both educating men to be churchmen, both teaching and ruling elders in that regard, but also just promoting good Presbyterianism, good Reformed churchman-like behavior. And so we just came off of what was just an invigorating, refreshing jam-packed couple days at the Gospel Reformation Network conference last week. Darren was there and and I was there. And so we thought we would do a little recap of the GRN conference because as we go into the General Assembly, a lot of themes that we hit on at this conference are very relevant. And so uh, I'm on what's called the General Council of the GRN. It's a group of, I mean, there's pretty big, 20-something guys. We're not the executive council, but uh, we just help further the the distinctives and vision of the GRN in our local spheres. And so that's that's my role there. The, the purpose of the Gospel Reformation Network is to cultivate healthy Reformed churches in the Presbyterian Church in America. And there are seven distinctives, and I've said them before, but basically it's about being confessional, confessionally Reformed Presbyterians. And so caring about worship, caring about the Word of God, caring about the gospel being preached and spread, caring about missions. And so there's seven distinctives, and you can go on the website and look at them. This year's conference was entitled Lead On, O King Eternal. And all the videos are on, uh, it was at Sovereign Grace Church, which was down in Charlotte, and you could actually go to their YouTube page and watch the live stream raw footage. But I know the GRN is working on individual videos for all those talks. There was an amazing lineup of speakers, and we'll go through the talks as Darren and I kind of recap the GRN. But but overall, it was, I mean, there's so many facets to going to one of these conferences. It's only a day and a half. It's the kind of thing where you get maybe three or four days worth of experience in a day and a half, and uh, rather than leave exhausted, to leave invigorated. But Darren... What, what let's talk about some impressions of the conference and what the point of it was and what are some takeaways as we go into general assembly but let me ask you this first is this is this your first GRN conference or have you been to others no i mean the first GRN conference that i attended was last year's in birmingham but i also attended the um they had a smaller gathering about a year and a half ago in greenville uh, South Carolina. So that would have been uh, 2021, uh, September of 2021. And then I went to the national conference in, in Birmingham last year and then to the uh, smaller uh, event that they had, in, again, in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, this last uh, September, I believe that it was. So um, yeah, let, let me, uh, let me help. Let me explain that to our sure, listeners sure. so they may just understand. So the the GRN, is, it's gospelreformation.net is their website. You can find articles and resources, what they stand for. You can access their videos there. Uh, but they host a national conference in the spring in the lead up to General Assembly. And it's usually not General Assembly specific. We didn't talk about upcoming overtures at all or anything like that. But uh just again, kind of a, a way to refocus what we're about 
as Reformed Presbyterians in a PCA. That's a day and a half conference. What they've been doing then is in the fall, they've been having a little half-day mini-conference seminar as sort of a, well, let's talk about General Assembly. Let's talk about what we should be promoting in in presbyteries, um, all out in the open, all just in line with their seven distinctives. And so that's what Darren is mentioning. There's the the national conference in the spring and then this sort of mini half-day in the fall, so it straddles the General Assembly. Uh, yeah, Darren, go ahead. What are you? Yeah, what are some of your? What I have, you know, one of the, that's one of the things I do appreciate about the GRN um, is is the transparency that the GRN has. Um, that's not always been the case, even in very recent times within the the PCA, uh, sadly. And so, uh, I mean, in contrast, the GRN is is entirely transparent about who they are and what they what they stand for. And um, what I what I appreciated about this particular conference was that it um, it it was it was just very gracious. It was grounded in the truth of Scripture. It was grounded in a longing for true biblical revival and reformation, mm. which the church always needs. I mean, even um, even in the uh, when the church is thriving and at its very best, it's always in need of revival. I was grateful for the extended season of prayer, uh, the prayerfulness, the the depth and the substance and the longing for the Lord to work in our churches. Um, people who uh, sometimes criticize the GRN for being, uh, and I think it's a, I think it's a, 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 in in many respects, a bizarre criticism, um, but they sometimes will criticize the GRN for being a little bit sharp-toothed and, and, um, and, I don't know, hostile. It it just it was 180 degrees from that. I just didn't mm. hear. And 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 last year's was very much the same way. That is not the tenor that I'm hearing now. Is this a is this a group of men who are committed to uh, the the scriptures, committed to? Uh, upholding our confession, concerned about much of the latitudinarianism that we see in the PCA, concerned about some of the uh, ways in which our denomination um, has has uh, drifted. Uh, yeah, of course, and and I think that's always we're always going to have elements of that in any denomination, any church, because we are not yet in glory and we also need to be introspective and see where we we need to do our own repenting and i think that was characteristic of not only what we heard from the pulpit but also and perhaps even more importantly in the side conversations that we were able to have with other brothers and sisters many uh, uh, godly women there as well doing great work for the for the lord and in the church um having those conversations over the lunch table and the dinner table and the encouragement that uh, pastors, ruling elders uh, were able to, to have in that regard. I mean, we're not sitting there and just bashing 
<laughs> folks <laughs> who, who don't see eye to eye with us on every jot and tittle. That is that is a, a gross mischaracterization that I think sometimes the the GRN well, gets. But but I mean it, it was a it was a wonderful and uplifting, encouraging time this year, last year, and also at the other events that I've been able to attend as well. Yes, yeah. I mean, Darren, that's that's my experience, and uh, this is my third national conference. I I don't know if they've done these more than three of them. They've always done things at General Assembly and had uh, l- literature and, and videos and information. Uh, GRN's over ten years old now, but yeah, I've gone to three of these, and honestly, the first one that I went to three years ago in Birmingham was. Uh, is it three years ago? One. Yeah. Two years ago. Two, two, two <laughs> years ago. This is the third, yeah. right. Was, um, was cause I wanted to check them out. Let, let me see how these guys are. And my experience was, I was so blessed and it was really a turning point for me in the PCA to see this many godly men, uh, because it's mostly officers, uh, that go to these things, um, just committed to the Lord and, uh, they're kind. There's a warmness there. And, uh, you know, what I will say is this conference wasn't, this one wasn't very polemic at all. Whereas the other ones, there was, there, there was generally some, some talk that was highlighting the issues that we are facing in the denomination. This one didn't have that at all. Uh, there was a Q and a session that, that had a couple of questions from the crowd that was asking about things. And, and we'll talk about that later. It was very positive actually, but yeah, this was about, and I think that had to do with the overall theme again, lead on O King eternal, but the sub title there is pressing on with Holy conviction, the PCA at 50 years. And I think the theme of it was just celebratory of the, what the Lord has done in and through the PCA and the hope for the future, but then upholding, again, these seven GRN distinctives, a pathway for the PCA going forward. You know, you mentioned women there and Meadowview brought, uh, we had 20 or 21 people there. We had people associated with us that weren't from the church too, uh, but we definitely had 21 directly from Meadowview, which by the way, two years in a row, well, the I won. second year in a row. You... Yes, yes, I, I won. I guilted them in to so this look at this beautiful set. That's that's incredible. Warfield, the person work of Christ, and the inspiration. Yeah, most and of, most of George's library is is uh, free winnings from conferences that he's attended. And yes, I mean that is no small task to to bring uh, you know pretty much your entire session and others from your church in the middle of the work week. I mean, this is this was not yeah. on a weekend. This yeah, was a little work week. But you know what I was encouraged by is that, okay. So you've won the, the books the past two years. Yeah. So the, the for bringing people, the most to the conference. The most. And and I guilt them into the the the, the award. Yes. I guilt. So I, it's uh, it's become a gospel kind centrality. Of, <laughs> that's right. Well, but but you know what it was encouraging is that there were other churches, other other folks who brought their uh, their ruling elders and and as you mentioned you know the women that were there okay so it's mainly a conference for teaching ruling elders in the PCA i mean so that's going to be the overwhelming majority of who's there but there were a number of women that were there and and i am always encouraged when i when i see that and have these conversations with these women who are um, who are invested in ministry in the local church who are 
committed to the distinctives of the PCA, to to um, to being uh, faithful to the scriptures, true to the Reformed faith, and obedient to the Great Commission. I mean, they know that that is what's distinctive about the PCA. They they know the confession, they know the scriptures, and they want to see the men uh, who are uh, sitting on sessions who are behind the pulpit, who are holding office in the, the church as, as elders and deacons, they want to see these men fighting with grace and truth for all uh, that is glorious about who God is in order that his people might grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and in order that the lost might be saved. Uh, in order for for the mission of the church to go forth, and they're 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 very committed to that and invested in it, and and being around godly women who who care so deeply about that um, is always tremendously encouraging. To oh me. man, I and, they're and great I, leaders it, in the church. They're 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 absolutely valuable to um, to the very core and essential. And and we love that they're there and and fighting for those things as well, right? And and the women from Meadowview that came were encouraged exactly. It's almost as if you you spoke to them. Like they were so happy to see the session worshiping, caring. Uh, the the comments, by the way, about the singing. You know, you put a few hundred pastors in a room, they're going to sing. Like congregants don't always want to lift their voices because they're, but pastors generally do especially in the pca and so the volume of the singing in that room was just incredible you know and some of the verses they they, they stop playing the piano and it's just voices ringing out and of course that that sanctuary was just an amazing place to uh to sing and, and worship in yes this was it's by the way sovereign grace presbyterian church uh, in charlotte this year pastored by a, a former uh, professor of mine, uh, Dr. Uh, Bill Barkley. Um, but if you've never been to Sovereign Grace in Charlotte, make uh, make a plan to go. Go on a weekend trip to to Charlotte so that you can go visit Sovereign Grace Presbyterian Church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's oh, it, it's yeah. The, and that pulpit. Maybe I'll be able to queue up a picture of the pulpit a at whole, some point. A whole rain. <laughs> there is a swath of the middle of Brazil that doesn't exist because of that pulpit. <laughs> it was awesome. It, yes. it, it was it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I tell you what, but I, I keep trying to get to this. I want to read what uh, what one pastor's wife said about the conference. This is what Sarah Morris wrote. Now, Sarah Morris is Sean Morris's wife. Sean pastors in, uh, I believe, Tennessee. Yeah, he's, he's over in Ten Bridge, Tennessee. Yeah, right. Uh, actually, I think he's Brad Isbell's pastor from Presbycast. Brad is mm -hmm. is uh, it helped get Sean or the Morrises over there. So this is what Sarah says uh, on Twitter. It's a Twitter thread. Thoughts on the Gospel Reformation Network Conference. The men in attendance were joyful. I love them dearly. They are the brothers I never had, dorky dads, masters of puns, complete goofballs, who give me hope for the PCA. They love Jesus, the Word, Christ's bride, and they love to laugh. There is a misconception that the confessional side are mean, nasty, spiteful people just waiting to pounce on every controversy. And there are people like that. 
but they wouldn't be welcome at the GRN. These men want peace and purity in the church, one with gracious behavior. There will always be old cantankerous relics or immature, petulant little twerps in every corner of the church, but these brothers are not them. We were encouraged to refrain from quick judgment of others who disagree to build up amidst reformation. We were called to piety. Dr. Jonathan Master, president of Greenville uh, Presbyterian Theological Seminary, gave a fantastic lecture on the history of Old Princeton, its rise and fall, and what makes our seminary strong, a combination of rigorous biblical training, personal piety, and godly mentorship. Reverend Kevin DeYoung encouraged us greatly in our pursuit of holiness that though we may stumble as we move forward in sanctification, God is not displeased with his children because they do not offer him works of perfection. What father is displeased with his child's feeble attempts? This was not a company of gentlemen plotting and scheming in hidden corners set on vehemently eviscerating their opponents. This was a gathering of pastors praying fervently for revival. A group reminding each other they have no enmity against brothers, merely disagreement. As a woman, what I left with was an amazement of how many good men I am privileged to know and how the Lord continues to purify his people, calling men to righteousness amidst a wicked culture and equipping them to serve and further his kingdom. May the Lord raise up many more. And so what a great sort of testament, testimony, and summary of the feel of that conference. And um, she has a way with words. Mm-hmm. She actually is is one of the, uh, every once in a while, a couple times a year, they do a, a Presbycast episode called Presby Girls. I guess it's its own thing, but they'll be having Rosaria Butterfield on, on Thursday of this week, which is, which is awesome. So Sarah writes that, and as usual, there, there's people are going to be naysayers. She says, this person says, is it possible this misconception is rooted in the possibility that some of the men at GRN act like total gentlemen to you? And to those attending conferences attended by men of like mind, and that these same men regularly mock, mischaracterize, and harass others, especially online. And she engaged this gentleman with just such grace, like modeling exactly what she saw at the conference, which once again is just really testimony to what was taught at the conference. You know, at the end of that, she says, this was supposed, this was a sweet post about how encouraged I was by the super majority of men at this event. And you felt the need to let me know that because of a few guys, I shouldn't be encouraged. And this first thing on the Lord's day at that, this comes across as incredibly bitter. And and I do think that's what can happen. There can be joy on one side that brings out the worst in the other. And, uh, and I'm just glad that the conference overall was what she described it really was. And, you know, we don't get a lot of break. They do give us some breaks, but man, the, the fellowship during those breaks makes you feel like, like when I leave, I leave with as much memories of the conversations that I've had as I do with the talks. And there's far more talks than there's time for conversation. Right. Um, any, any thoughts on what she, what she had wrote in that or, or how it resonated or didn't? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's exactly what Sarah and uh, was saying in her in her Twitter post is exactly what my experience was, uh, and I think what I was sharing at the beginning of our program uh, here today was that it is a it, it was just a, a a gracious time, a joyful time, uh, a time. Uh, it it was it was a room of men it was a gathering of men and women 
who love Jesus, who love his church, who love the PCA, who yes. love what the PCA is about, or at least should be about, they want to see the PCA stay on point with those matters. They are certainly concerned about drift, which is, that will, just to reiterate what I already said, that will be a concern that the church will have to be confronting until Jesus returns. The scriptures are abundantly clear about that. You know, there's always a, there's always going to be that tendency. Look at your own heart. I mean, our own hearts are prone to wander, Lord. We feel it prone to leave the one the, the God we love. And if that's the case in us individually, when we gather collectively, that's going to happen as the church. But this is this was a a, a, a group of of brothers and sisters who who love the PCA, love Christ, love His church, love what we stand for and are are fighting but they're fighting joyfully and they're fighting graciously winsomely in in uh, nuanced ways i think that that overwhelmingly it is a i mean and i mean vastly overwhelmingly they are they are gracious people but they're committed to truth we're committed to we're committed to what is good and right and true we're not going to capitulate to the spirit of the age in in real or perceived ways to be at odds with the scriptures and at odds with the confession and with at odds with uh, what we believe is uh, consistent with our denomination yeah great points let's uh let's talk about some of the talks and by the yeah. way did you see the journaling so Miss Rachel McIntosh, this is a a lady at John Payne's church, John Payne's executive director of the mm -hmm. GRN, and she does this for every talk. Last year, I had printed them all out and gave them to my elders in a book. I mean, it's just, I don't know how she basically gets a whole sermon on one sheet in a way that is so much more impactful than if you just had paragraphs. <laughs> yeah, when I take notes, it's very linear, you know. Uh, I forget what I'm writing. <laughs> I mean, this woman, I talked to her. Um, oh, I wish I met her. And, and she, she just says, my brain is just wildly visual. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't know what we're talking about, go on to the GRN Facebook or Twitter pages and um, take a look at uh, the, the notes that she wrote. Okay, these are not going to be uh, the Cliff's notes. These are works of art. You might want to print them off and, and frame oh, I, them, or or at least hold on to them because I mean the the, the visual. She she's sitting and I and I saw her at you know as she was she was sitting not too far away from me during some of the the sermons and lectures at the the GRN conference, and she's just got an iPad uh, and she's she's just drawing out. Wow, and, and and writing out in in a beautifully artistic way, uh, what what she's hearing from. Do you, uh, do you see this on your screen there? Yes, I do. Oh, okay, it. yeah, that's, right. So that's right. an example right there, <laughs> right, right there. Right. I don't know what you're seeing on your end. Yeah, this will be. I'm, so if you're watching the video, yes. you'll see this. We I've been showing pictures, and so if you're listening on on iTunes or something, you're you're not going to see everything we're showing, which is fine. Um, but. We, we do have visuals. I, what amazes me, Darren, is like sometimes when I'm taking notes during a sermon or something, I'll 
be three words into the sentence and forget what the rest of the sentence is. And she's drawing pictures and coloring and, and, and making sense and making it all flow. And, and I don't know how she's not missing everything else. So that, that is a gift. Well, I, I am a struggler to walk and chew gum at the same time. (laughs) I mean, I I have to sometimes consciously think about breathing, you know, Uh but uh, no, she, she's just tremendously gifted. It's, it's, amazing to see the works that she puts up but so i mean most of our listeners were would not have been able to attend the the conference uh, go and take a look at, at the grn uh facebook page or the uh I'm, I'm sure it's probably up on twitter as well but just print those off or take a look at them and you can discover what uh the the nuts and bolts of the messages were. <clears throat> Yeah. So the the first the conference opened opened up with uh, Dr. Peter Lilback, president of uh, Westminster Theological Seminary, and it was all about revival. And you know this this year we've heard about revival, uh, the Asbury revivals, and all that, and just what is biblical revival. And he did he walked us through uh, Psalm. I had it written down. I think it's eighty five. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Yeah, Psalm 85. And so, you know, if you didn't hear this talk, I, I would just encourage you to open Psalm 85 and, and listen to his talk. And actually, you can uh, you can get Miss Rachel's notes on it, <coughs> which is right, right. here. Mm-hmm. Just an amazing way to open the conference because I think we all want revival. And I loved how he, he really, like, masterfully handled the psalm talked about like faithfulness on the ground and righteousness raining down from above and sort of it coming like this, but initiating with God and uh, prompting his people into prayer and just, just sort of a beautiful thing. Anything stand out to you on, on that one? Yeah. I mean, that was, that's exactly uh, what I appreciated so much about Dr. Lillibach's uh, message. I mean, just, you know, what do we need for revival? We we just need the church to be the church. We need right. the church to be what she is called to be. We need the people of God to live faithful, ordinary lives where we're praying for the Lord to act. We're praying that the Lord would renew his people by his grace and lead us to repentance and faith. And it begins and that he would begin revival with me and that yes. he would begin it. Uh, in our particular local church, um, that we would proclaim the saving work of Christ. We, uh, of Christ, we would proclaim grace. And um, I think that I think what I, I mean, if there's one takeaway that I that I get from a message about uh, renewal and revival, uh, is just the absolute centrality of prayer. Because I, I. I oftentimes feel i mean my my native inclination and i think it's i think it's true in the local church i think it's true in us individually is to is to make revival happen you know like we have to make it happen we have to do we have to do something in order to to make it happen that's very different than than the ordinary means of grace and and yes we need to be thoughtful yes there there are um there are considerations of our own particular context that we need to account for. Uh, certainly, yes, yes, yes to all of that. But if 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 we are not, as a church, praying that uh, for for 
not not just for 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 the uh, uh, you know hip replacements and all of that as important as those are, but I mean praying for the Lord to pour His Spirit out in His church and and it make us into the the people that are constantly reflecting His glory and grace and truth. Um, that's that's one of the great takeaways that that centrality of prayer. Yes. Yeah, what, what do you got? What do you got against hip replacements, uh, Darren? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've Nothing, had two. Because so. I mean, I, I haven't had one yet, but I mean, yeah. who knows? Well, I've I'm had both. It's uh, it's great. I love them. <laughs> I, I know. I'm, I'm, people say I'm too young for it, but uh, and we need to pray for people. <laughs> no small thing. I mean, I, yeah. I don't, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm I just say that to, of to, course, to I say know. that. Sometimes in the church, we're just not. I mean, you know, for instance, the prayer meeting. Um, how many churches have that? Um, how much of your time is committed to prayer in the public worship service of the church? Um, and 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 then I I really think that Lord's Day Christians are what make everyday Christians uh, stronger, deeper, and 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 more uh, intent on on spiritual growth uh, and making use of those means of grace on their own. So when there is substantive prayer in the gathered worship of the church where you are praying um, for repentance, you're praying for a, an existential, personal, felt Christ to be known um, in the local church, you're praying for that collectively, that's got to have some trickle down effect into our own individual lives. And so a church that's, that really doesn't just give lip service to prayer, but is, is, is really actually praying, um, praying the word of God back to the, back to God, uh, is, is something that, you know, I, I think every true revival and every true, um, renewal, a true renewal and revival is is going to have that as an absolutely essential, unquestionable dynamic. Yeah, yeah, good word. So the next talk was from Dr. Jonathan Master, the president of Greenville Seminary, and it was training future ministers lessons from old Princeton. <clears throat> and so, you know, the conference kicks off with this talk on revival, and then it goes to this talk on uh, the, on old Princeton. And really it showed how that bedrock reformed institution that has such history uh, went astray and how it really went astray much earlier than is it's attributed to. And, and really around that 50 year mark. And I think there was something to, you know, again, the PCA being at age 50 to be having a real commitment to theological education and learning from the past. And so I think that was a, it was a strategically placed after this talk on revival. And it was also relevant to where we are in our denominational history. Right. Right. Absolutely relevant. And, and, um, you know, again, that goes back to the concern, very legit. I mean, when we're concerned about drift, it's not like, you know, there's this, paranoia <laughs> that is coming out of nowhere. I mean, this is, there is a, 
I don't know, history going back to the Garden of Eden of, of drift, right? I mean, and Princeton Seminary is, in, in recent history, uh, kind of exhibit A for that in, in, the, in terms of the academy. I mean, if you were to go to, to Princeton Seminary now, I mean, it, it, you're, just, you're, you're just getting garbage. And uh, so, but it, it was a bastion. Can I quote you on that? Is that yes. tweetable, Darren? Oh Stone? yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, right. you can. Tw I mean, you know, uh, they weren't, they weren't going to invite me. <laughs> okay. Although you, although you should go visit Princeton and Princeton. I'm sure it's awesome. Yeah. It's just an incredible place, and you know, you the, the chapel where Samuel Miller and Charles Hodge, you know, is 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 still there, and you can go see Jonathan Edwards' grave. I mean, Princeton, go there. I mean, Jonathan, John Witherspoon. You're talking about. Anyway, crazy history destination, crazy history. If you if you're a Presbyterian nerd, however, I should say that Princeton and, and this is the way that it works. So there's not you don't just it's not like they just got some whack president one day who, and, and just went off the grid. I mean, this is there were there were there was declension, tiny little declensions over the course of a long period of time. Um, that where, where they were sucking in a lot of the the the, the true liberalism the, the true and we're talking about true liberalism uh, that was that was uh, festering into the church and um, and they just went off the rails you know that and and uh, and so Gresham Machen and starting Westminster Seminary um, you know it, it, he's he's pushed out of the not only Princeton, but the, the the Presbyterian Church at the time. I mean, we're talking about uh, people who made great, uh, great sacrifices, tremendous personal cost to stand firm for the gospel. And um, it, it, the, if our seminaries, you know, people in the the church can tend to think, well, that's that's kind of ivory tower. That's that's. Uh, um, that's a that's not a super tremendous concern of mine maybe that's just for pastors i'm going to just tell you like the way if the seminaries go awry the church is going to go awry in short order i mean it's just it's just going to it's just going to happen so it's important that our seminaries are remaining clean. right so yeah yeah and that, and that's one thing i love about the grn too is there's a lot of representation from the seminaries uh, on the council. So Dr. David Garner is with Westminster, um, Ligon Duncan, of course, with RTS, and then Dr. Jonathan Master with, with Greenville, and even Harry Reeder with Birmingham Theological Seminary, which you've taught at, and I'm doing a demon. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of representation there. And one thing I love about uh, Dr. Master is he is, a, he is a legit real scholar. I mean, I don't know how he writes all he does and, and does all the editing he does, but he's pastoral. If you ever have a conversation with him or hear him preach or speak, there's a, a warmth there. There's a relatability there. And I'm just so glad. So he's recently been named the president over there at Greenville. The The next talk was Kevin DeYoung. Man, DeYoung is just, DeYoung is just DeYoung, right? He's just, he is just engaging, real, and really... It was so timely for my session because 
as a session, we're doing his book, The Hole in Our Holiness. And this this book is 10 years old, maybe more, uh, maybe 12. I, I don't remember. And uh, 2012, so 11 years old. Split the difference there. But this talk was was really based on that book. He referenced it a few times. And just this idea that Christian, you can please God. <clears throat> You can please God. And and it really combats this idea that all our works are filthy rags. And, and I've said this, it was just so timely because I'm reading that book, but I've said it in, in sermons recently. And, you you know, we've been programmed to think that all our works are filthy rags. Right now, you might even be saying, George, why are you questioning that? Because works wrought in the spirit, done in faith, are not filthy rags to our Father in heaven. That, that is a statement on, on a, a work done in the flesh. In the flesh is in our own effort. And when Paul uses the flesh, it's not only always what you think fleshly sin. It's, it's anything we're mustering up in and of ourselves. That's the, that's the flesh. And so he really combats that. And I love what he said. He said, we need a category for obedience and righteousness that is pleasing to God although not meritorious and not salvific. And I'm totally paraphrasing, but I think I got, I think I hit on a lot of the things. In other words, the Bible speaks about pleasing God and our ability to please God, again, in and through the Spirit, done in faith. Uh, but it also talks about people being righteous, people being holy. And we do need to be able to take those verses and sections of Scripture seriously while acknowledging they're not meritorious, they're not earning us merit, and they're not salvific. They're not getting us heaven. Our, our justification is in Jesus Christ, and so we're not going to sacrifice uh, that, of course. And so this talk was great. DeYoung was always awesome. Uh, anything that stuck out to you on that? And, and of course, we got a lot of talks to talk about, So, uh, but just what, any top lines for that one? Sure, and just one point um, about about our ability to please God by our works done in Christ. Kevin DeYoung uh, offered an illustration of a child offering up a, um, you know, a drawing to their parents. And they draw, they, you know, they draw something and they say, look, mommy or daddy, um, look what I drew. And so I was in California visiting some family last weekend um, and uh, came back and my three-year-old drew me something and this is this is what it is if you can see on your if you're watching this on YouTube it's you know and, and her name's Caroline so she drew some C's this is this is not going to go in the Louvre in Paris <laughs> okay but when when I come home from a trip and she makes this card for me to welcome me home, I'm tremendously pleased with it. Mm. Right, and that's isn't that hopeful? Isn't that yes, man? And the thing is, is that she, you know, hypothetically, say my daughter becomes the next Picasso, right? There's still going to be imperfections in her work, and there's going to be imperfect. I mean. Every single thing that I do has some element of my depravity in it, of my sin in it. Even even right now, talking about the things of Christ, I mean, there's something in my subconscious that's that, that's sinful there that's always in there. 
but but I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. His righteousness has been imputed into me. He sees me in Christ. And so my works done in Christ are pleasing to him. So we don't need to go through life uh, with this defeatist mentality like, oh, well, I mean, maybe I can be somewhat mediocre or whatever. And um, no, you can, you can live a life where you know that what you've done or what you've avoided is pleasing to God. However imperfect and however tainted with some measure of of sin it it may be our works being filthy rags are those done outside of christ it's what the unbeliever does to try to merit his or her own salvation or to deliver him or her from their greatest fears but in christ we we can strive by all the means of god's appointment to 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 honor him to glorify him it is possible to please christ and it, and it and it matters because we as we discussed in the third commandment we're taking the lord's name in vain when we don't live for the glory of god because we have his name impressed upon us so yes uh, great words from kevin DeYoung. yes yes i loved his illustration about when he was a runner when he said his whole goal was to be the worst of the better than average or right. and, and and that's another summary at a, at a little division three <laughs> right 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 yeah right right, right. but uh it, and and i and, and the christian life sometimes that's the way we live is let, let me just i don't, I don't have i i can't be that good anyway so let me just be a little bit better than you know some you know yeah, and right. so yes good uh good talk the next one was a panel discussion let's conclude with that uh, we'll jump to O. Palmer Robertson's talk. And wow, Dr. Robertson's talk. This was really a great surprise for the for the conference because we were told in the first session that he wasn't able to be there because he was uh he was ill or or something. We didn't get information actually. And then it turned out he did show up and just in time and uh he spoke on a second path to apostasy warning from Paul's letters to the Corinthian church. And I know that he, uh, he he's working on a, a book right now. Uh, he's working on two books, actually finishing mm-hmm. up his biblical theology of, of basically the entire Bible, but he's in Paul's letters. And so this was really poignant to him. And so he walked us through first and second Corinthians and sexual, the importance or the, um, the importance of, of, rightly addressing sexual sin and what was really good about this talk i can't wait till it's out on the videos and i'll probably run it on the presbyterian reformed churchman podcast later in the year but it was really a a defense of church discipline and the importance of church discipline and so this was a blessing i mean dr robertson spoke at the first general assembly he was one of the signers of the letter to all churches you know uh, he's a father in the faith. You and I are blessed to be in Presbytery with him. And so anything quickly stand out from that one? Uh, just just briefly, anytime you can hear from O. Palmer Robertson, you're, you're going to be blessed. And what I appreciate about him so much is that he has a perspective that... Uh, 
that very few of us have. I mean, he was he was there prior to the founding of the PCA and during the founding of the PCA, and um, and he understands much of the cost that was involved in in uh, the beginning of this denomination, uh, what what they were up against, uh, what many of the founders of the PCA uh, even even suffered uh, as a result. And so I, I think his his insights on that, I mean, his, history has a way of, of very often repeating itself. And so he, he is um, looking at this from an angle of history, of lived history, of experienced history that um, most of us don't have any any um, context for uh, from our own experience. So I, I think um, Dr. Robertson's talk was just tremendously helpful. You know, what are we, what are we dealing with in our own times and what is, what is leading us astray? Um, uh, you know, that many things pertaining to, to sexuality. Um, so that, that was a topic that he addressed, but I think the church discipline thing, I mean, you know, we're really loving the church. We're really loving. Um, we're not only, we're not only loving the, the one who is, uh, trapped in sin and who is caving into unrepentant sin, but we're also loving the, um, we're loving the church, by protecting its peace and purity from those who uh, who identify with Christ in word, but are but are clearly departing from Him in deed, and so when a when a church will discipline that in in the biblical ways it ought to be disciplining those people. Um, not only is the church, the church's purity and peace protected, not only is God's glory uh, made known and his truth and grace made known, but very frequently, um, I mean, probably not frequently, but at times, uh, the, the person eventually comes to see the error of their ways and repents and is restored. And there was a story that he offered about that. Um, so I'm I'm thankful for Dr. Robertson's talk and the the, the necessity of the church. Yes, faithful in that calling. Yeah, and uh, if you're watching, you see him wearing a Scottish themed tie, and there's a funny story about that. And so I encourage you to listen to to his okay. talk. What what you notice is the is these talks. I mean, they are there is a thought to how they're arranged. So Kevin DeYoung talks about being able to please God, and then Palmer Robertson comes in and talks about. But when people are going astray, the church needs to to act. And then Harry Reader comes in for the for the last talk mm -hmm. of that first day, preaching sanctification, the whole gospel for the whole man. In other words, how do we then communicate this message that De Young talked about and Palmer, like so to avoid having to go to churches? And what what is the uh, the the mechanism through the preaching? How do we preach sanctification? And just a real great dose of, of the gospel as all these talks have had, but, uh, very specifically. So I, I'll let you go on Harry, uh, anything that Dr. Reeder said that. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dr. Reeder reminded us that uh, the, 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 even the genesis of the, the GRN had to do with concerns within the PCA about antinomianism, about, uh, you know, much of what 
Kevin DeYoung was was uh, addressing, and that we we ought to be um, you know mindful of of that that fact that there is this inclination in the human heart to 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 wander away from from the Lord, wander away from being anchored into the things of Christ, and to be more um, more profoundly shaped by the spirit of the age than we are by Christ. And so from the pulpit, we can preach um, sanctification. We can preach that we ought to be people and churches walking in holiness and and truth uh, and and standing for that and walking in it and living lives that are not duplicitous, but that are that are faithful to to the Lord in that respect. Uh, it, it, but we can but we can do so we do so anchored in all that Jesus is for us and has done for us in the gospel and promises to do for us. Yeah. So we're not we're not um, we're not preaching a legalism. You know, our, our pulpits ought not to be places where we're preaching a legalism. In, in other words, that we're we're you know saved by the grace of God and are are standing before God, or the degree to which He loves us is somehow based upon what we uh, do or don't do for Him. But it, it it's it's that that grace and that power of Christ and power of his spirit that compels us to obedience, his kindness leading us to repentance. Right, right. And, and you know, reader, Dr. Reader talked, spoke about, you know, the idea that through our sanctification, we are mortifying remaining sin. And we're doing that, like you said, in the power of the spirit by faith as we look to Christ and you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Uh, so good, uh, just a great way to end the night there. Dr. Readers, I could listen to him uh, all day. I'll never get tired of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next day, and, and you weren't able to make the next day, and that's part of the benefit of being local. You can, <laughs> you know, um, we're two talks. Uh, Dr. John Payne and then uh, Pastor Chris Gordon. Uh, John Payne, the executive director of the GRN, spoke on Food for Hungry Souls, Sacramental Meditations of Reverend John Willison. And I got to be honest, I was not like super excited about this talk. I just, something about the title, I don't know. And boy, was I wrong. It was such a wonderful talk encouraging us about the importance of the Lord's table of this of this sacrament we do mm-hmm. and uh Dr. Payne is an amazing preacher and presenter uh there's always a warmth to what he's saying it's always very high intellectual but down to earth where it needs to be and he you you always leave his talks with just a sense of I want more of what he just was talking about. And in this case, the Lord's table. And then the one right after it, back to the basics, reforming the reformed church, pastor Christopher Gordon out of uh, Escondido, California, Mm -hmm. really spoke about uh, the primacy of the word 
And so, you know, he, he, he even made the, the, the joke or the comment that, you know, in some sense he should have gone before John Payne because then you get word and sacrament. But so what you see in this second day is just a focus on the ordinary means of grace. And I think we all left encouraged in the power of the preached word of God to, to change lives. And so thank, and Pastor Gordon is a, I never heard him preach before. He is an engaging, thoughtful biblical preacher I could listen to quite a bit. And so that's really how the conference ended up. The beginning was sort of this call to revival with uh, uh, some kind of lessons from history on on what can happen to a denomination. Uh, Then this focus on sanctification, both that we can please God, that church discipline is necessary, and there is a way to preach this that avoids both legalism and antinomianism that takes serious uh, the the things that the other talks talked about, and then this focus on the ordinary means of grace with word and sacrament, and of course, we sang songs, we had season of prayer, and um, just a good time to wrap up uh, the Q and A. So the Q and A is always a great time because you have on there, and I wonder if I can get a a, a picture up quick on that, and. Um, Chris Gordon, by the way, uh, yeah, go ahead. Is, uh, he has a podcast radio show uh, called Abounding Grace Radio. I would strongly commend it to you. And you can also, if you go on to Abounding Grace Radio, just Google it. You'll find some. Do you uh, listen to it? Uh, very thoughtful articles. I've listened to a few episodes. It's very good. And um, Chris Gordon is a son of the San Joaquin Valley of California. Grew up uh, about 30 minutes from me, and so it was nice to make that connection with someone from the true fruits and nuts part of of California. California. And um, yeah, ministering down in San Diego, where I had the privilege to minister for a number of years. But he's uh, uh, a and 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 I'll you know going going into the Q and A session that you're mentioning. Chris Gordon is not a PCA minister. He's a minister in the um, uh, United Reformed uh, Church, which is uh, basically the the, the uh, conservative confessional sp- split off of the the Christian Reformed Church, and they they formed their denomination in the mid '90s, I think 1996. Um, but what it's a much smaller denomination and and mostly along the the west coast canada um and some of the great lakes states so we don't if you're if you're in the the southeast i mean you probably could drop an atomic bomb and not hit a, a united reformed church but it's a it's a it's a bit smaller denomination with some very influential people uh in it but I, but what he said uh, about the PCA was was very important. And what he said is that the rest of the reform world needs the PCA. Oh, that's good. And they they need the PCA to remain faithful. And the reason why, of course, is the PCA is the is the largest uh, confessionally, biblically reformed. Uh, denomination in the English-speaking world. And so if the PCA uh, falls to pieces, um, then that has, that has 
profound detrimental effects on the other smaller uh, denominations that are very like-minded with the PCA, such as the URC. So I, I, I think that we need to understand that we, you know, we're, the PCA is a 350,000 member denomination. I mean, we're, we're, we're not that huge of a denomination, but we, 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 we pack a punch that far exceeds our weight, far exceeds our weight, not just in the reform world, but across the, the landscape of Christianity, not only within North America, but across the world. And so, and so the faithfulness of the PCA is absolutely essential and vital for the health of not only our own denomination, but other like-minded denominations in the United States and around the world. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's a great comment. And that's, yeah, he was the only non-PCA speaker. And, uh, and so it was good to get his perspective. This picture that's been on the screen is basically who was in the Q and a session, except for, uh, Chris Gordon. I'm not sure why he's not in this picture and I can't grab one, but it doesn't matter. So I, I encourage you to listen to that talk. The, uh, the Q and a is something I may run on the podcast in the, in the future also, uh, in a few months, but, Really, there were all kinds of questions like, uh, well, that was one, what Darren just shared, but others about family worship and, and, and other things. But there was this question about churches who have left the PCA because of the uh, just the debates that were going on in the PCA. So conservative confessional churches who gave up on the PCA. And this is always kind of on people's minds as they come to these conferences. And, you know, last year, Greg Johnson and Memorial PCA left and they were uh, so much of the controversy was surrounding them. And there was real questions about revoice and side B, but the feel from that question about churches leaving the, the men here. So Rick Phillips said it, John Payne said it. They believe that those churches left too early mm -hmm. because good things are happening in the PCA and uh, they don't believe side B, uh, it, while there's still maybe pockets of sympathizers with it, it's largely done in the PCA with some of the message there. And really just, that's what I'm seeing also, is good things are happening in the PCA. And so as these videos come out, uh, we encourage you to watch them. And uh, I will say that at General Assembly, the Gospel Reformation Network luncheon on Wednesday of the General Assembly is one of the largest luncheons. It may be the largest one. Uh, they sold out the 500 tickets they had for it, and the convention just offered them a larger room, and so another 150 tickets have opened up. So 650 of the commissioners, that's a third of the assembly. At this point, there's 1,800 mm -hmm. or so registered. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully, we'll have over 2,000 in general. But 650 people can go to the Gospel Reformation Network luncheon. I encourage you to buy those last 150 tickets. If you're questioning the GRN and you 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 have perception of them, come hang out with us and uh, and eat with us. Uh, they'll they always have a speaker, probably John Payne, and uh, it it'll it'll be a good time. So this, uh, this wraps us up. As I said, I'm with my friend Darren Stone here. He is the minister to state 
uh, in North Carolina, if you're unfamiliar with them. Uh, if you're on Grace to Stand, you know I'm with Darren every week. But if you're on Presbyterian and Reformed Churchmen, uh, I just encourage you to sign up for Darren's newsletter and, uh, and, and hear about the good stuff that he's doing in the Capitol here in North Carolina. And with that, we sign off. <laughs>